The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, Mash All right, so I guess I'm up to introduce and welcome people back to Mash Minute. We're a Movies by Minute podcast, which means we cover one minute of the movie per episode. And we focus on Mash, the Robert Altman 1970 film. Not the TV show One Minute at a Time, because we're not that crazy. We consist of myself, Tierney Steele. I'm, I thought we were doing the TV show, Megan Coleman. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm guest Sean German. Hi, Sean. Hi, Megan. Thanks for coming back. Oh, thank you for having me back. I'm glad to be here for... Where am I? I'm in Minute 85. You're in Minute 85. Woohoo! You are. You made it. Megan, if you want to talk about the TV show one minute at a time, we're going to have to talk because Minute 85 <laughs> doesn't even get us into, like, the second half of the first No, no, minute. I guess... Well, I, I, yeah, no, I know that. I wouldn't want to do it one minute at a time, just one okay. episode at a time, but... Which I is what we, I thought... We've established wink, that that's what wink. we thought I was doing. Yeah. I think we could make that happen. You have an in with podcasting. This is true. I shouldn't make uh, jokes a minute before I we let people know that this is Minute 85, which starts with Marston inviting Hawkeye and Trapper to visit him at the NEHWH and ends with an MP telling Hawkeye and Trapper to wait in the colonel's office. And the reason I said you've got an in, Megan, is because Hawkeye is very proud of himself that he's got an in in Kokura. Woohoo! <laughs> that little smile. So cute. It is kind of adorable. Like, I got an in. <laughs> so, and then, bye, pimp. <laughs> like, he's so, yeah. he's just, he was already having a good day, and this is just absolutely put it over the top. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. This is nice when someone asks you. I know how good I feel when someone's like, oh, "I'm looking for a plumber," or "I need a mechanic," and I can be like, "I got a guy," you know, or they, you know, you, somebody needs something, and you have an in, or you know, you, oh, I've got a guy. I know someone who can take care of that. So I kind of know this feeling that Hawkeye's having here. He's he's got a guy. He's got an in. <laughs> he's a, he's a, you know a simple man of simple pleasures, and yeah, that's true. And, <laughs> And speaking of pleasure, one of the questions I had from this minute is, how do, I assume they're soldiers, how do the soldiers that are accompanying these doctors feel about basically being enlisted as caddies at this point? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, they may have been enlisted into the army, but I doubt they expected they'd be carrying golf bags for a couple of doctors. But maybe they're relieved that they're not on the front either. Like, it's kind of a cushy job if you have to be overseas, I'd say. Yeah, it's certainly better than, yeah, carrying golf bags in this hospital in Tokyo is preferable to working in a mass unit. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have the great grizzly story for the VFW back home when you get back, but, you know, yes. you, you, you probably were okay. I, I think they're okay. I love that Trapper is still completely focused on the golfing. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. Take our golf cars. <laughs> yeah. Take these. <laughs> like, he yeah. is so not... 
I guess he does say ladies as they're walking through the hallway, but other than that, he is completely focused exactly. on get, getting to out onto the tee. <laughs> He's excited to see real grass again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I like their golf carts, which are ivy poles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with their backs hanging <laughs> off them. <laughs> they're, um, you know, you make do. You do what you gotta do, yeah. You do what you gotta do. I'm still amazed that... They have golf clubs. <laughs> they thought to bring golf clubs to Korea. I'm like, well, the off chance that we find ourselves in, in Japan. And how, though I wonder how, how many golf courses were there in Japan in the fifties? Oh, oh, I don't know, uh, exactly when all of them were established, but actually right next to Kokura, there currently is a giant country club. Okay. Like on Google Maps, it's almost the size of the city that it appears <laughs> next to. Well, I'm wondering if it started with, well, not necessarily servicemen, but officers in the U.S. Army that were stationed there. Yeah. Um, because Japan is an island nation, not very big, not as much land as you have in the United States, and golf takes mm-hmm. land. Yeah, but golf is from Scotland, which isn't very big. True. Another another small island they nation. prioritize it. And I do think, I mean... Oh, man. I wish... I can't think of any good recommendations off the top of my head, but if I do, I'll put them in our listeners group. There are some really fascinating books about the occupation afterwards Mm -hmm. and kind of rebuilding the economy of Japan and the American influence. And I mentioned baseball last Mm -hmm. episode, and Mm -hmm. that is huge. And I just recently watched the most heartwarming, wonderful thing, which was all about the women's professional baseball teams in Japan. Oh, yeah. Because they were just like, why would we not let the girl like they're like, why would we make them play softball? And I'm just like, what a beautiful outlook on life. (laughs) (laughs) I am a very big fan. And not just because my grandfather was in Japan during the Korean conflict. And so he brought a bunch of stuff back and he always really liked it over there and thought it was really pretty and wonderful. So, according to oldtokyo.com, there were 72 golf courses by 1956. Oh, well, there you go. And starting in the early 50s, they started to give them back to the, because during, after the post-war period, um, they, mm-hmm. the U.S. Army took them all over. And so, starting in the late, like the early 50s, 52, 53, they started giving them back to the Japanese. Okay. And then it says between 60 and 64, the number of golf courses in Japan increased from 195 to 424. There you wow. go. It's a lot of golf. And by 2009, there were over 2,400 courses. So they must really like their golf. So uh, Trapper and Hawkeye are ambassadors They're for ambassadors the sport. <laughs> this is a very sporting movie. I don't normally think of it as... Um, you know, it's not Hoosiers or Caddyshack or anything of that sort. But uh, there is, yeah, when you get to dissecting it one minute at a time, you realize you spend a lot of these minutes, uh, various sport comes up, football, baseball, golf. Yeah. Well, I like that. So, Miley has possibly already acquired a new nickname as Hawkeye and Trapper are leaving the locker room. I think it's it must be Hawkeye saying, bye, pimp. Yeah. <laughs> in well, in reference to the other side of the house, the hospital where he uh, volunteers, where he's moonlighting. Obviously, I'm very upset before we leave. So before we leave Marston behind, I am mm-hmm. being very upset at the internet, which will not tell me. And I really don't feel like going to another room and getting the book and finding it. I can't remember if it's that 
Marston dated the woman who became Hawkeye's wife, or Hawkeye dated the woman who became Marston's wife, or both. But there's something <laughs> with that where that's how they oh. knew each other was that they hated each other in high school because one of them was like high school sweethearts. And then the other one met and they ended up marrying. And so then it became like they didn't actually hate each other. And now they're all friends. But there's definitely history there. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that start? Is that's ringing bells, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> and then I also want to make sure that everyone at home knows the beautiful full name, which is Captain Ezekiel Bradbury Marston V. Hmm. Is his full name. I'm also not a fan of this claiming that he got this nickname because of propositioning prostitutes. I thought the nickname dated back before before one would be frequenting such establishments. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how they do it in Maine, but uh <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then the other thing that I'm getting from the book that I had totally forgotten is that in the book it is Dr. Yamamoto's Finest Kind Pediatric Hospital and Whorehouse. Yep. And Finest Kind is, of course, one of the main, main catchphrases of Hawkeye in the TV show. He says it a couple times in the movie. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure I could not let him out of our sight without making sure that everyone knew his name is Ezekiel. So to be fair, he needed a nickname. Oh, yeah. Maybe he didn't have to choose one with racial connotations, but... (laughs) Yeah. Ezekiel needs a nickname. <laughs> I know it could have been Zeke or something like, you know, Zeke. That could be cute. No? Okay. Yeah, I think you, you have to accept if you're going to name your child Ezekiel, there's nicknames are going to come into play at some point. He's not going to go through life with people addressing him as such. You'd hope so. <laughs> I mean, maybe not Melee, but, you know, yeah. maybe they were hoping for Zeke, but they got Melee. <laughs> yeah. You can't Open win them all. Open for Zeke. <laughs> Open for Zeke. <laughs> the new Lifetime movie. <laughs> I've definitely thought about this in that when I had an IV pole and the hospital had to like wheel it around with me. Because <laughs> like, like, it's difficult. Thing... <laughs> I don't think the ones I've had would carry this weight, but <laughs> yeah. Does this have the structure integrity with this? Would this carry uh well and they've got those so they're both they're sharing a cart here. They've got yeah. their two bags. I don't golf, so I don't know how many clubs are in a typical set. I'm guessing it's not Is it twelve I want to say just, twelve, but I don't know if that's right. Whew. But those bags are heavy just in and of themselves, so mm-hmm. this is a substantial situation <laughs> they got going on. Yeah. And then we get music. Yes. Guys, this is kind of weird. Right? Like, this doesn't fit with the movie we've been watching so far. Like, it's really well done. I think it's hilarious. But it's not... It doesn't... He hasn't done anything like this anywhere else. Yeah. Most of our music has been diegetic. Is that the word? Mm -hmm. I'm pronouncing that right? Yes. And... Yeah, almost all of it. Not all, all, but almost all. And we certainly haven't gotten any, like, mood music. And this is, like, full-on 
it's going to be even more obvious in the next minute, but these are the minutes that to me scream, hello, this is a movie that was made in late 1969 <laughs> and released in early 1970. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definite, yeah, it's definite mood music and it's a like sus- suspenseful mm. spy movie mood. It's, <laughs> it's strings, it's, you know, quick hits on, on the drum and it, it kind of, it, it warms us up into what what Hawkeye and Trapper will be doing and their reaction to the MPs as they get corralled into Colonel Merrill's office that they they kind of they start to play it as if it's you know we, we've suddenly become a spy movie both with with what they're saying and and the music we've become a TV episode that's like a spy like doesn't this just yeah. reek of like the Brady Bunch like and 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 that era of television? Is it just being in these rooms? I think I need to get back out to the ranch. <laughs> it, it sort of reminds me of what was it? Was it? Was it? I dream. Was it? I dream of Jeannie, where she's the genie and she's always getting into trouble, and then her husband, who's in the army, is always. It sort of reminds me. It's her boyfriend, and he's oh. in the air force. I'm sorry. Okay, it's been like I was a president few... of the Nick and Knight fan club. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's been a few decades since I like yeah. got to stay up late and watch Nick at Night, but it's sort of Fair just. Enough. But it sort of. Rem- yes. I mean, well, her her boyfriend friend whom she calls master right yeah well we'll just disregard that for a second but uh, that's a whole nother podcast like, yes. we don't have time, we don't yeah. have time. No. Um, but it sort of reminds me of that sort of like you know late 60s sort of romp copy kind of like oh no and now there's in trouble and now ooh, ooh. yes yeah yeah if it was not so well acted i would hate this mm-hmm but I kind of love, like, Hawkeye putting his hands up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> like, finally caught up with us, eh? <laughs> Where did we go wrong? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my God, the, she was the one in Tangiers. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, this whole, like, faux movie dialogue is so well done. <laughs> yep. I think it was the woman. <laughs> I think I've seen her someplace before. I know, right? Oh, and she's African-American, too. So it adds this extra crappy layer. You know. But I love how she's standing there like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, No, it's me. No, I'm I'm staring you down. No. I'm so for her. The receptionist, I call her. But, like, I am so for her in these scenes. She took... She took the brunt of uh, ridiculousness earlier Mm -hmm. in this trip to Japan. She did. And now, this is her revenge, and I am here for it. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's got her game face on. And it's a shame. So this is um, Monica Monica Peterson, who's Mm -hmm. playing this receptionist. And she, she doesn't have a lot. She's only got eight credits. In IMDb, so she hasn't done a lot of, of movie and TV work, but she is just serving up fierceness here. Yes. She is just having none of this tomfoolery. I imagine she's she's maybe, you know, career military, sort of a, you know, Margaret Houlihan type. And those types do not mix well with these doctor no. types, as we, as we've been Ooh. seeing throughout the film. This is this is Margaret Houlihan without medical training. <laughs> like, yes. She has no use for these guys. <laughs> I know she's so put well put together. I, I love, love how her, her hat's so like much. slightly on an angle mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. It's oh. just it's perfection. <laughs> but yeah, she's just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I told you guys I'd get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that is kind of in contrast to uh the MP. Who's <laughs> kind of like flippant in a way. Like he's so full of himself that like he caught them. 
He's so cheesy. Yes. He's the one, like, honestly, drop this guy into Hogan's Heroes. Nobody would notice. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah. I know he's, like, smoking. <laughs> yeah. So he's got, he's got a cigarette. He's kind of patting the uh, his billy club or his nightstick in his hand. He's, but he's got his feet up on the desk. That's bold. Although I, I assume he's just doing it to show off the spats. <laughs> Which I guess if I had spats, I'd want to show them off too. But do you need spats in Tokyo? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, some of these uniforms are so stupid complicated. Of course, spats are involved. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> you don't see a billy club that often in mid-century American war movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, yeah. I mean, what is he going to do? Is he going to hit these guys? I guess. Is this some DNC BS? When 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 was that in relationship to the making of this movie? Because <laughs> you know what? Actually, there were like seven billion riots in the world in 1968 that probably would have been in Robert Altman's oh, collective right. cultural memory. Yeah, yeah, sure. And in the 50s and the 60s, in the decades before this was filmed, and in the decade where this is set. Now, what? Is, so this room, I guess, this is like the receptionist area. Because yeah. it leads to, we see the door that, that they just came through, uh, says uh, the colonel's office, and then they go through a door on the other side of the room. But there's, so in addition to the the receptionist, there's three, there's three gentlemen in the room. Yeah. There's the one guy with his feet up on the desk and the, the nightstick. There's a guy standing and another guy sitting, in addition to our two doctors. Oh, yeah. I don't know what these other guys are doing. They're just hanging out. I guess in I guess. case the guy started to make trouble. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't want to be outnumbered by the people you've herded in. That's, They've yeah. Got golf clubs. Who knows? Well, yeah, they allow them to keep the golf clubs. Yeah. I love the way they wrap. I love that Trapper grabs Hawkeye's shoulder. And he's like, oh! <laughs> and then <like>, salute. <laughs> like, oh, maybe if I salute them, they'll just let us go. <laughs> but yeah, my guess is that we saw the receptionist is usually up in the main area. But clearly there is usually someone who sits at this desk outside the colonel's. I'm assuming when the colonel is in, someone mm-hmm. would be at this desk at yeah. all times. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've, I don't know the exact, the, the military structure, if it's how it his parallels radar. like a, a corporate structure. But I guess, yeah, so the, the, this colonel has his own radar who sits in this room. I love it. I want to see Kokura <laughs> radar. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that. So our, I guess, quote unquote heroes, uh, Trapper and Hawkeye, <laughs> they never break character. In that they never take anything seriously, least of all anything having to do with the military. <laughs> so they didn't, though they didn't make a run for it. They didn't try to evade the MPs, but they're still not taking the the situation seriously. And they, or if they are internally, they're certainly not letting it show. No, they try and get away from being arrested, but <laughs> as soon as they realize the jig is up, they're just like, "Well, that happened." <laughs> Yeah, so one of the, one of the thing I'm wondering, I guess we probably talk about it more the next minute, but so they they have I guess they I don't know of a, a plan, maybe <laughs> maybe overstating it. They have a reason to believe they're not in too much trouble or they can get out <laughs> of the trouble that they're in, but I wonder do they know it at this point or do they develop or do they analyze the situation later and kind of come up with with that plan? Yeah, I I don't think they have like 
the plan. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't think they've thought it through that much, but they have a general sense of invincibility. Mm-hmm. You know, when you learn about teenagers and why they're so daredevil, and it's because on some level, their brains really can't process the idea that they could ever truly be hurt. Mm -hmm. I I think these guys still have that. (laughs) Yeah. At least when it comes to the army, they're just like, yeah, but nothing that bad will happen to us. (laughs) Well, I guess that I I think on some level, they're thinking the worst thing the army could do is kick them out. Which would be fabulous. Which is the thing they want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like they kind of like the army did its worst by drafting them in the first place. So it's like, well, if we show we really don't belong here, Mm -hmm. maybe they'll kick us out i'm gonna have a, a movie tv show connection to make in the next minute yeah. <laughs> that always reminds me of that but yes for for this minute i was just trying to see if this little dialogue where did we fail i think it was <laughs> the woman if was yeah. if it was from anything specific but i'm just getting hits for this movie and then a 1996 film called she's the one <gasps> that i'm gonna guess is not in any way related to Matt. no i remember that movie And then also a Ramon song. Again, not what they're quoting here. (laughs) Yeah, I think think the reference to Tangiers is just a general kind of generic far off place. It could be Casablanca, could be Marrakesh. It just Mm -hmm. happens to be Tangiers. I don't know if there's a a specific reference there. When I do like the short sleeve uh, button up shirt. Sean, why are you causing such controversy <laughs> oh, on my podcast? How is that controversial? I'm just saying, like, he's, he's, he's Trapper's wearing a nice shirt there. That's all I'm saying. But we've decided Hawaiian shirts are their own category. <laughs> yes. Their own special, yes. Right. It's 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 not a short sleeve dress shirt. Right. Yeah. It is a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Which kinda it goes, I think if you have if you have that sort of mustache, if you have the Elliot Gold mustache. <laughs> yes. Somewhere, not necessarily every day, but somewhere in your wardrobe, there has to be an Hawaiian shirt. Just by law. When you grow the mustache, one appears on your doorstep. <laughs> or, yes. or you need that kind of like big hair to go with it if you don't have the mustache too, right? Yes. You, got, you gotta. Yeah. But the mustache really does help. Picture that hair, but clean shaven with a Hawaiian shirt, and it's not as good. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to beg to differ, but that's fine. It takes all kinds, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see a little bit later. I don't know. We don't necessarily like. I'm not- just thinking like Elliot Gould and like the long goodbye. He's clean mm. shaven. And if he I wore a Hawaiian that. shirt in that. I know you haven't seen. I haven't either. I've just seen all the freaking pictures. And I've seen a couple like clips. Yeah. But but I think uh, that. Sean Elliot hasn't Gl- heard yet our beautiful. Or no, maybe it was a recent episode where I referred to it as the player for like oh, yeah. five solid minutes before. You're like, do you mean the long goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm really confused right now, but I'm not saying anything, but i okay. Sorry, I'm still kind of sore when I'm like, I haven't seen it yet, and we all know this. <laughs> I was like, is that like a Paul Newman movie? That sounds like a Paul movement, M- Newman movie, like the play. No, I'm happy to watch Paul Newman movies as well. <laughs> no, it turns out it's a movie from 92, so... Yeah, no, that ain't that. That's not with Tim Robbins, who doesn't even look like Tim Robbins, but I guess it is. Yeah, it is. Ooh. All right, here's my plug for the day. Go. I the movie IQ. It better be Tim Robbins. I'm gonna be so mad now if it isn't. Yeah, but Tim it Robbins. Is Meg Ryan, Tim Robbins, 
Is it Walter Matthau playing Einstein? Walter Matthau as Einstein. Yes. And it's a movie that, for some reason, just the age I was, the way it hit. I saw that movie so many times, guys. Multiple times in theaters. And then we would rent it and just watch it over and over and over again. I have so many lines memorized from it. Wait, wait, Terry, is Stephen Fry really in it? Oh, yeah. I don't remember him in that. I mean, clearly I've not seen as much as you have, but... (laughs) It's a delight. I hope it still stands up. The scenes I'm thinking of do, but I haven't watched it all the way through in quite a while. And these uh, these reviews are not looking great, but whatever. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that counts. That's all that right? counts. And yes, Walter Matthau movies in general. But man, there was that mid-90s sweet spot where he was just cranking them out. And they were all just nice. Like, they were all just heartwarming, nice movies. <laughs> That's my recommendation. I hope it's streaming somewhere and its numbers just go off the charts and someone's sitting in an office being like, what the heck? No one's watched this movie in forever. It's the mash minute effect. <laughs> I just did the Rocky thing with my hands in the air, but it's nice. like audio medium, so it doesn't really count. And then I felt really bad because the other day... Sean and I were sitting here bragging away about our multiple podcasts and how awesome we are and how we're just all (laughs) over the internet and in your ears all the time. It's fine. And Megan, you have been on multiple Movies by Minute podcasts so far, and you have another one coming up. I guess guess that's true, right? Yeah, because I was on Return to Oz as a guest, and we did, Terry and I did Into the Night, which was fun, and then we're going to be on the Hitchcock Minute, uh, North by Northwest. Woohoo! I'm so excited. I <laughs> do. Gary Grant's awesome. I love Gary Grant. Oh, he's so great. Have you seen our minutes yet, girl? Because they're still good. I have not. So <laughs> waiting on our little package from Jim O'Kane. He sent it out. <gasps> ooh, ooh. He put up a thing in the Facebook group saying, like, they went out. And I was like, yay. Aw. But yes, we will be appearing on that. And I am super excited because I love Cary Grant. I love everyone. I love everything. I think that's clear by now. Would it be shorter for you to tell us who you don't like? (laughs) No, I'm trying to think of who I don't like. And it's just really obvious, like, Nazis are bad. Well, duh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shrug. (laughs) I feel like with Nazis, you don't have to shrug. It's just, I don't like them. Done. Like, no apologies needed. Understood. Yeah, that's yeah. not a, not, that's not a controversial statement. That's, yeah. yeah, Ava Braun, Scotty dogs are the only things that I'm okay with. <laughs> but luckily, we just have to deal with the patriarchy and sexism and racism and all sorts of fun things in our movie. <laughs> you yes. know, I'm trying to think. Groundhog Day didn't really have anything controversial, <laughs> it, <laughs> did it? I mean, we still managed to, to to find some things in it, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's some sexism, there's some things that Phil does that are not good, and there's some <laughs> philosophical questions there because he does things on the presumption that no one's going to remember them because everything mm. resets the next day, but he will know what he did. So I still I think it's still wrong, even if <laughs> you know it it's the you know the the question of can if you you know will would you do a bad thing or would you do something you otherwise wouldn't do if you were guaranteed 
that no one would ever know and there's no way you would get caught. And in that situation, Phil does some things that we don't think he would have done if he was concerned about getting caught. So is that, is it no harm, no foul? If there's no bad effect, then nothing bad happened? Or is it still bad because he knows he did bad? And those are the kind of questions and things that we examined watching Groundhog Day one minute at a time. So yeah, it's not all cute furry animals. In oh, that movie, <laughs> hate to hate to burst your bubble. Now, not not quite as bad as some of the things in this film, but as we see it, it appears our sexist doctors here are going to get their comeuppance. Yeah, they're caught. They've been wrangled by the MPs. They're being sent to uh, the principal's office where they <laughs> await their uh, their doom. Dun, dun, dun. And I assume they will be very apologetic and will promise to treat nurses. And other, the people they work with and the members of the military, uh, much better and much nicer and more polite than they have been. They have learned their lesson, I'm sure. They'll learn to get along to get along. Yes. We'll talk about all that next minute. Of course. Uh... 